What's up, podcast? Welcome to the show. I recorded this interview or this episode with the Power Couple. I call them the Power Couple. You're about to find out who they are. Recorded it with them a few days ago before the weekend, releasing it after the weekend just because I had a few things on, couldn't edit it. Uh, so I thought it would be a little bit of fun. We talk about some really uh, big negative and positive rugby league issues from the international game around the world. We talk some NRLW as well. Uh, one of my, one of the power couple, absolute expert. You're about to find out who she is. Um, but yeah, really good chat. Um, we made some predictions for this weekend's games as well. Uh, so we've got the power of hindsight now. You're going to see if we got those wrong or right. And of course, right at the end, uh, some really firepower. Uh, golden points. It's just a lot of rugby league news. Three nations have made their international debuts. Plenty of score lines. Lots of things going on. Bit of controversy. It's all happening in the rugby league world. This is your unofficial international rugby league podcast, the underground rugby league podcast. Um, and yeah, let's take it away. So guys, I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 38 of Chasing Kangaroos. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Welcome, podcast. I'm recording with the power couple tonight. I call them the power couple and I feel like a little bit of a third wheel but I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, starting off with Mary Constantopoulos. Mary, how are you? I'm good, Michael. How are you? Thanks so much for having us tonight. We're so excited. I'm excited too, Mary. And um, how do I go pronouncing the name Constantopoulos? How do I go? I know people have a lot of trouble with it usually. Yeah, look, you did pretty well. Generally, when I do a podcast, I tell people to just say Mary Kay because often the first thing you do when, you intro- when you're doing a show is you introduce your guests. And if you get that wrong, it can get you off to a bad start. So I'm a... Uh, Really impressed with how you did there. Fantastic. Well, Mary, I want to introduce you by reading your Twitter bio. So I'll go ahead now. Uh, Founder of Ladies Who League, uh, Parramatta Eels number one fan, a feminist, women's sport advocate, big fan of Taylor Swift, Amy Shark, ice cream and emojis. So what's your favourite emoji? Uh, To be honest, I use the one with the love heart eyes quite a little bit. And I use the one with the snide smile quite a bit too. And I'm also crying with laughter quite often. I use the fire emoji a lot on social media. And then in like private messages, I use the pool emoji a lot because, uh, yeah, it's just really cool to use. I heard that originally the pool emoji was actually chocolate ice cream and then everyone used it as poo. So that had to change. Our second guest this evening, James Newman, mate. Jimmy, uh, you don't have a Twitter bio, buddy, but I I wrote one for you. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yes, please. (laughs) Uh, it's very simple, right? It's not bad for a Sharkies fan. How's that? I'll take that, Michael, and you're not bad for a Dragons fan either. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Welcome to the show. Guys, um, you, I, I call you guys the power couple. Tell me a little bit about um, how – Jimmy, so you're, you're, a, you're a part-time journalist as well, and any of our, our listeners who follow us on Facebook and Twitter will see, have read some of your articles for The Raw. I post them as regularly as I can. Uh, and, you know, I, I often agree with you most of the time. So, but always love your writing, mate. So thank you very much. Guys, tell me how you guys met. Like I see you guys on social media all the time. 
pretending to follow each other's teams. It's very cute. But how did you guys meet? Michael, the better story is actually about our very first date. Can I tell you about that? <laughs> you can definitely tell me about your very first so our date, first Mary. first date was actually almost a year ago. So our first date was on the 23rd of September last year. And Jimmy and I uh, met at Leichhardt Oval to go watch the Newtown Jets in a grand final qualifier. <laughs> How on earth? That is, that's, that's just crazy. My, my wife, I'll tell you, when I first met her, no, not even, never watched a game of rugby league, I reckon. And after sitting through a whole season of me in two, uh, watching the Dragons every week in 2009, by the end of the year, she said to me, I don't think I can do this, babe. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, you're going to have to find a way because this is part of the package. And um, 2010, of course, Dragons won the grand final. She got on board. She developed a crush for Jason Nightingale, and I proposed uh, later that year. So it was, it's, all, it's all good. Love through rugby league. I, I love it, guys. And look, thanks for joining me on the show. I have, uh, we've got plenty to talk about tonight, and we'll probably try and jump straight into it if we can. But I, just, I have one really important question for you both before we do get into our topics. And I don't know if you've discussed this yet, but obviously, Mary, you're a massive para fan. <laughs> Jimmy, you're a massive Sharks fan. You probably going. know what I'm about to ask. <laughs> If one day, I don't know if it's been discussed, but I'm sure kids are in the future, maybe one day, who are they going to support, guys? How are you going to decide? It 100% depends who you ask, Michael, because I've told Jimmy (laughs) that if I have children with him, that they will be supporting the Parramatta Eels 100%. They they can support Parramatta, they just can't live in the house. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a feeling if, if you guys have kids one day, uh, they'll they'll be para fans living in a tent outside Pretty in the backyard. Much. Pretty I think much. that's probably I'll make my sure prediction. Sounds good to me. Well, guys, why don't we get straight into it? We've got three topics tonight. Uh, let's talk some international footy. Let's do it. So, guys, you're all me for corner, but I really this has been the biggest news for me. It's the Tongan boycott or potential boycott. So NRL.com originally reported that Tongan rugby league players were considering boycotting the upcoming World Nines, their Oceania Cup match against Australia and the Great Britain Lions test over a dispute with the national board. Uh, Jimmy, I know you're very well versed on international rugby league affairs. What do we know? What do you know about this so far? Well, as far as I know that uh, the current crop of players are upset about two points of contention. Number one is the coach being stood down because he's yep. talking to a club in the UK. Is that correct? Yeah, I think I think he's actually got the job. I think it was announced earlier this morning. So he'll be coaching St. Helens yeah, okay. next year. Which Christian is, Wolf. Which in the Super League is a big appointment. They're, they're one of the four power clubs over there. And Massive. Also, they feel that um, the money that the players have made off their, um, their recent fixtures hasn't been appropriated correctly, that the money's sort of been squandered away and it isn't going into the grassroots, which was a, a big um, consideration for the players because they're taking a huge pay cut, particularly the ones who've given up on things like Origin and Tier 1 Nations. They're taking a huge pay cut to play for Tonga and any money they're sort of gifting to the, uh, the Federation over there to get um, appropriated into the grassroots system and they feel that that isn't happening. It's um and it it seems like quite a reasonable request from the Tongan players. I'm not sure what side of the fence you guys sit on, but I've I've seen quite a few a bit of a war of words on social media this week. And uh, Andrew Fafita on, on Instagram, he said, as players, 
will not take part in the World Nines and two test matches at the end of the year. Our terms are easy. Get rid of these two men. And he's referring to uh, the chairman, George Kolomatangi, and secretary, William Edwards, saying get rid of the player. Our player won the brilliant uh, George K. He wrote a Twitter. He said, uh, and he said, if you if you don't do what we say, we won't play. Seriously, well, N word, uh, you watch this space, and he, he spelled out the N word. So I didn't want to say it here, but it seems like quite a war of the words. Um, it would be an absolute shame if th- this could not be resolved. Obviously, Mary, like Tonga, have been an absolute shot in the arm for international rugby league over the last couple of years. But Mary, do you think the Tongan dream's over? What do you think will happen? worst case scenarios here. Michael, I really hope that this isn't the end of Tonga because the international game, as we know, has been growing tremendously over the last couple of years. And Tonga are a big reason for that. And it's not just the players like, say, your Andrew Fafita and your Jason Taumalolo that have elected to play for their home country, which has then, I think, led the way for other players to do the same. But additionally, their fans are just such a joy. Like, they absolutely love watching their Tongan team. They bring so much colour and life to international rugby league. And I think many people are thinking that Tonga could be dominant in a couple of years. So it's just disappointing once again to see trouble in the international game as a result of, I guess, problems between players and their governing bodies. Yeah, I agree. And Tonga's been just an absolute success in such a short period of time and they'll only get better. I know the other Pacific nations will follow. You know, Fiji, I'm, I'm a big fan of Fiji. I think they're going to be the next ones to that, that position. D- Jimmy, do you think that as an international sort of fraternity, we rely very, too heavily on Tonga? Like, are we, are, we, are we really going to give it all away just like that? I think at present we do. You look at... When Tonga, when you got those defections for the, the last World Cup in 2017, it shot rugby league, international rugby league, the Pacifica side of it anyway, out of the niche yeah. market into the mainstream. Your big news limited, your NRL.com reporters were talking about this. And since then, yes, as, as an international community, we've relied heavily on them because they bring, if, if you play a game in Auckland, it's going to be packed, it's going to be loud, it's going to be colourful. And that's what we want to see. But you are correct. The fact that this is playing out in the media and the players have sort of done, um, I think they've got somewhere so far in the fact that there's people like Todd Greenberg, Clint Newton, Nigel Wood. They're all all these big players in the international game and the Australian game have become involved. So hopefully they can sort of negotiate some kind of truce. And hopefully from what I see, I don't think this board and this group of players can coexist at the moment. So something needs to come to a head. I just hope it gets resolved quickly and amicably. Well, it needs to happen. It needs to be resolved very quickly because obviously world, world nines are happening very soon. There'll be some test matches after that as well. And we want to make sure that it all goes ahead and, and Mate Matonga are strong and continue to grow. Um, do you, you mentioned that some of the big wigs from around the world are getting involved. Do you think the RLIF need to get involved and do more? Or is it more just sort of a standby and see what happens sort of situation? Well, I'm not sure what they can do, really. If if they sort of omit Tonga from any competitions or punish them, they're punishing themselves just as badly. So, I, yeah. you know, hopefully they can... Someone like a Todd Greenberg and a Clint Newton, as, as far as the RLPA concerned, they're 
skilled negotiators. I know Todd Greenberg is maligned in circles, but he's he's done big, yeah, you know, billion dollar broadcast agreements. So hopefully he can sit these people around the table and, and come to some sort of agreement. Because, you know, I was talking to Mary before and, and you got you got situations like this, what happened with Lebanon, what's happening in Greece, and it's just exasperating. It seems to be a little bit two steps forward, one step back at the moment. It is, and it just seems to be an issue we constantly have in International Rugby League. Whenever we think we're getting ahead, we do take those two steps back. Uh, on, the, on the other side as well, like it's interesting to see that we are starting to hear more about the Lebanons and the Greek situation and things like that in mainstream media. I know, Mary, you had um, Stuart McLennan on a recent episode of Ladies Who League, which was great to see that we're, we're st- people are interested to see what's happening around the world. And um, I just think it's fantastic. Michael, I completely agree with you. And it's thanks to the work of people like yourself and Nate Gladden from Rugby League in America. No, truly, I, I sort of see it in a similar way to Women's Rugby League. Because five, six years ago, there wasn't much about Women's Rugby League in the mainstream media. And it took many of us, I call it on the underground, I call myself underground, yeah. especially at the beginning, to start getting the word out. So to see people like you doing the work that you're doing, that's the reason I've become interested in international rugby league. And, and to be honest, Jimmy is also a really big part of that for me. He loves the international game. And before he sort of came into my life, I didn't really follow the international game too closely apart from the Jillaroos. Uh, but yeah. now to see so much content being published and to see so many people interested, I think is only a good thing. And I'm sure given the limelight that this Tongan situation is getting at the moment, that people want it to be resolved as quickly as possible. Well, Mary, I, I, thanks for your kind words. I certainly wasn't fishing for, oh, <laughs> for that, but it. thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think it just goes to show we are interested in International Rugby League. The fans are, you know, so we, we, we see more than just the NRL state of origin. We want more than that. And, and I think there's definitely a hunger for it, and it's fantastic to see. Uh, look, hopefully they can clear it up very soon. But I'll end it on one one final question before we move on to the next topic. But worst case scenario, let's say the Tongan players turn their back on Matema, should Australia and New Zealand welcome their players back? So should should Fafida be welcomed back to Australia or New South Wales or should Tamalolo be welcomed back to, to the New Zealand squad? Um, Jimmy, why don't we start with you, mate? Uh, off the hat, I'd say no, because I think our eligibility rules get hammered enough and sometimes fairly, I'll say that. So yep. by someone like Fafida or Talmalolo, who definitely at, at their peak could easily play for those tier one sides. I'm not saying that they're not worthy of those jerseys. I'm just saying it sort of once again makes a, a mockery of our sometimes thin eligibility rules. So I'm, I would say no at the, at the present. Mary, do you agree? How can New Zealand say no to, to Talmalolo if they had the chance to well, get him Michael, back? Well, I'm actually a little bit more cynical than Jimmy, unfortunately, because I see a lot of rugby league teams making decisions to win rugby league games. And I think if Jason Talmalolo and Andrew Fafita are worthy of being selected and make themselves available, then they'll definitely be selected by their home country, by Australia or New Zealand. I love that you guys can disagree. That's fantastic. And may I say, Jimmy, off air, we're saying that uh, talking about how this is your first ever podcast. Mary, you've trained him well. You're doing an excellent job, mate. I didn't mate, have so to train well him done. at all. He's a natural, Michael. <laughs> guys, let's get on to topic number two. Uh, and, and Mary, you're probably the best person to speak to about this, I reckon, but the NRLW. Uh, and and as, of, as, as we record this tonight, um, 
season two of the NRLW is about to kick off. But for those of you listening at home, this will be released after the after round one. So it will already be in the past. But I do want to take a deep dive into the season. Mary, talk a little bit about the future of the competition. I'll start I'll start with our predictions for the year. So Mary, I, I read an article uh, today which you wrote and I was uh, very excited by what you did write. Can you tell us um, who you think or which team you think will take out the NRLW this season? Yeah, so Michael, I'll tell you a little bit of a secret actually. So um, when I do my writing for NRL.com, the way it usually works is I tell my editor what I'm going to write on a Tuesday he says yay or nay, and then I proceed. This week he actually said I could do Parramatta, but then he sent me a text saying, I really think you should do NRLW and tell me who's going to win. <laughs> so I did yep. the draft and sent it to him, and he said, oh, you still haven't told me who's going to win. And I said, oh, okay, <laughs> you should put the Dragons. But, Michael, the reason that I'm having so much difficulty talking about who's going to win is because there's been such a changeover in talent this year so 40% yeah. of women that played in the NRLW last year won't actually be playing this year. And that's certainly not a reflection of the women that played last year, but it's actually more of a, a reflection of how quickly the talent pool is growing. Uh, so if you look at Brisbane, for example, they were the dominant team last year. They didn't lose a single game. And I would say that Ali Brigginshaw yep. and Brittany Braley were the standouts. They've lost the most number of players and a lot of those players have gone to the Dragons, but they've also retained the largest number of players. We've got two squads with new coaches. We've got the Brisbane Broncos with a new coach. We've also got the Sydney Roosters with a new coach. But the reason that I said the Dragons were going to win the competition is because if you look at their squad, it's absolutely red hot. I mentioned Brittany Braley. She's moved down to the Wollongong area to play in the competition with the Dragons this year. They've recruited Maddie Studden from the Roosters last year. And coupled with some of the young talent that they uncovered last year, um, I've got high hopes for the Dragons. One player that I'll mention quickly is a young woman named Madison Weatherall. Now, the yep. thing with Madison is that she is a direct example of the pathways working in women's rugby league. So Madison um, has come through the Tasha Gale competition and was actually captain of the winning team this year. She was signed with the Dragons last year as a development player because she was 17 years old. You have to be 18 to play in the NRLW, and I think that's the only reason she didn't get a crack last year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing her this year too. What position does she play, just so we can keep that's an eye That's a very good question, and one I should know <laughs> off the top of my head. I will come back to you on that, Michael. No worries. Come back to me and we'll we'll share a post on our social media pages all about it. But uh, that, that's fine. And uh, look, I'm glad you're saying the Dragons because we certainly need something to, <laughs> sure to, to cheer about this year. It's been terrible for us. Jimmy, do you agree with that? Or as a Sharkies fan, mate, I know before the NRLW started, the Shark, Cronulla Sharks probably had the most prominent um, women's squad. Uh, they didn't make it into the NRLW. Does that mean you feel, you know, I guess the Dragons could be seen as having taken their place being from the same region. Do you, do you, do you sort of feel uh, some hatred for the Dragon side or what, who, who's your prediction for this year, NRLW-wise? Well, considering you two are both cheering for the Dragons and that red V makes me physically ill, I will, um, I will being a Sydney boy, I'm going to go, and actually being born in the eastern suburbs, I'm going to cheer for the Chooks this year. I um I like their balance. They're probably one of the more experienced sides with the games among them, and um I like the look of them. So and also like the Warriors. I like what they're doing over there. And I, while I was really sad because Mary will tell you, Sharks have done a lot of work in the in the female rugby league space. And while it was sad to see them not 
not um, get appointed a license. I I do like the strategy of if you started rugby league tomorrow, men's or women's, you wouldn't have nine Sydney teams. So I like the idea that's right, that there's yeah. an even disbursement of talent. And I always say this to Mary, I'd love the next team to be in Perth or Adelaide or another New Zealand team. And really, because there is women playing the game everywhere and they're all full of talent. So I, I would love to see the NRLW really flex its its um, expansion arm. Before we continue, Michael, Jimmy stitched me yeah. up there. He said that I'm cheering for the Dragons. I'd just like to make it clear on this podcast <laughs> that I don't cheer for any team in the NRLW. I cheer for all of them, okay? That's fine. I've heard you say that before. <laughs> the question is, though, if Parramatta had a side, would you cheer for them? Probably, but, Michael, the other thing okay. with uh, rugby league is even though Parramatta are my team, Jimmy knows that I uh, have soft spots all over the NRL, so it would probably be like that, actually. <laughs> the team basically has to have a nice person and Mary's, like, all about Yeah, them. pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. Well, that's fine. You're allowed to cheer for who you like, but, Jimmy, mate, I've got to say, uh, Sharks fan, born in the eastern suburbs. I'm starting to regret asking you on the show, but 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 that's that's okay. You did raise a really good point, and I've said this on the show before. Um, I think the women's game is an opportunity for us to um, to to start to look into some new expansion areas. The women could actually lead the way into Perth. Mary, what what's your thoughts on expansion? You mentioned that you know we've got so many players that have missed out on playing on this second season this year. Are four teams too little? Should we be expanding? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so Michael, I have a lot of thoughts on this actually. So I think it's really important for people to remember that when the NRL started developing its strategy for the NRLW, it consulted really heavily with the players. So the direction that you see the game taking is what the players want. Um, Yep. In terms of only having the four teams, and I'll take it back to State of Origin, actually, because it sort of links to people wanting more than one State of Origin game. You talk to a lot of the women that played in that standalone State of Origin, they'll tell you that there are a number of injuries during that game and that they don't think that they've quite got the talent to bring in the next group of players to replace any injured players and still keep the competition at that same quality. So I actually think at the moment four teams is enough. The other thing that will happen as well when we expand is that the competition will inevitably get longer. Now, that's great, and I definitely want to see more women's rugby league, but I think that really also needs to be balanced against player welfare. So if we think about these women, say you're a Karina Brown or you are a Millie Boyle playing for the Gillaroos, already these women have played in internationals They've had to take off time for state of origin and now they're having to take time off work as well and travel for the NRLW. And for some women, like say Brittany Braley, they've actually relocated. They've left their home state to travel for an eight-week competition and they're not paid in the same way as the men either. So if we want more women's rugby league, then I think that really has to be balanced alongside player welfare. But Jimmy does raise a good point in terms of expansion and... I think the women's game gives us a really good opportunity to think strategically about where we can have teams. I think the next couple of teams, there's a good opportunity in Perth. Why not? I also think there's a good opportunity in Western Sydney to have a team. And I know the West Tigers are really looking to have a team. And Parramatta have just announced that uh, development in Kellyville. So they're looking to get a team too. Um, Then potentially another Brisbane team. But we don't want to overcrowd the market. I agree. Those areas, I think, are, are prime 
for some new teams. But I think you're right. Like I know you're right. There's there's the competition is incredibly strong. We want to make. I'm happy with sort of slow and steady as we go and as we try and find ways to build revenue for the women's game so that um, some of these ladies can quit their real jobs and play rugby league like like the guys get a chance to do as well. And I think we're going to get those opportunities quite soon. Uh, Mary, you have, you've talked about, I call it the Mary Kay plan. <laughs> you've talked about it on your show. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, keeping it four teams, but having a home and away round. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Mary Kay plan? Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you're calling it the Mary Kay plan because when the NRL <laughs> enact it next year, I just, I just want to have the Mary Kay plan for <laughs> approval. Um, so, Michael, I'm with you very much so in the case that I think it's uh, slow and steady wins the race in this circumstance. So in terms of next year, if I could have the competition run my way, I would make sure that each team gets to play each other twice. Potentially we introduce a semi-final round and then a grand final weekend, which will take the competition to about nine or ten rounds. And then we commence it starting Women in League Round, which was held in August this year. So I feel like the timing would work really well and would give us the opportunity to have more standalone games. We're having two standalone games this year. It'll be massive for the Warriors, actually, because they'll finally get a game in New Zealand. And there'll also yeah. be a standalone game between the Bronco, sorry, between the Dragons and the Roosters at Leichhardt Oval. That might have to be a date for the two of you where it all uh, began, like Yeah, Oval. look, Michael, another bugbear of mine is that I don't control the women's sports scheduling for all sports. <laughs> um, someone, somewhere, has decided that it would be a smart idea to have that game on the same day as the Australian women's cricket team are playing at North Sydney Oval. So uh, I'm going to try and be in two places at once. If anyone can do it, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you can. But you, you brought up a great point, and that's these standalone games, because I think... We need to start thinking about opportunities um, for for the NRLW to sort of grow revenue for themselves and on their own. So having standalone games could help us start to do that. Maybe there's some potential sponsorship deals that would, you know, from companies that never would have touched the NRL or touched rugby league or even thought about it in the past. Maybe all of a sudden the the women's version of the game is a good opportunity to to bring some of these dollars into the sport. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on that? I absolutely think you're right. And that's probably one of the best advantages in having a longer season. It allows these teams to be seen in the media more, in their communities more. And, you know, like you said, there's a, you know, women in Australia, I think they're like 52% of the population or something. So there's, there's more and more companies and initiatives totally focused on women out there. And, and at the moment, they don't really want, they don't see a lot of value in rugby league. But if we can show them a product like the NRLW that's popular, slick, um, full of talented, committed players, they could be, you know, entering the rugby league marketplace and growing that. And additionally on that, the advantage of those standalone games is that at the moment, and the model that was used last year was that the NRLW games were played as precursors to the finals games. Now, if if your team's in the finals, that's fantastic. Like I'm willing to pay sort of whatever it costs to go watch Parramatta play because I don't get the chance very often. But if you're someone that loves women's rugby league, but you don't have a team that's playing in the NRL finals, to ask people to play, to pay, you know, $70 a ticket, I think is a little bit much at this stage. So it gives people the opportunity who love women's rugby league the chance to get out there and just watch women's rugby league. And, and we saw that at North Sydney Oval for the Origin. Which was know. magic. It, 
Yeah, that was fanta- fantastic scenes at North Sydney Oval. I, I think too, it also like it. I know they try and build some of these games as sort of double headers. So I know when um, the Gillaroos are playing the Kiwi Ferns later in the year, it's a double header with the the um the Kangaroos and the Kiwis. And I think they're adding a Kangaroos under twenty threes and French game as so it will be a triple header as well. So that's pretty cool. They try and build these things as double headers, but it's kind of a curtain raiser. And I think I think the the, the NRLW deserves to be in the spotlight in their own right. So hopefully we see more and more of these standalone games, uh, especially in the seasons to come. Yeah, I agree with that, Michael. And I think um, the standalone thing is particularly important when it comes to state of origin because so many people raise the argument, oh, why don't the women just play before the men? Michael, you and I know that no one attends state of origin that early. Everyone is outside trying to get involved in the atmosphere. They're at the pub and these women deserve to have people there watching them and people want to go out and watch them. And we've seen that state of origin success, 10,000 at North Sydney Oval. And it's the first time all year that I've seen a lineup out and around the street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, Mary, speaking of state of origin, where would you take um, – would you keep keep – keep it at North Sydney Oval next year or would you try and sort of spread it around, take it to Queensland maybe? Ah, the winning question. So, Michael, uh, because I love (laughs) Women's Rugby League and I don't have particular teams, I think it's time for it to go to Queensland. We've had it in New South Wales for the last three years. But also I feel like that gives New South Wales a little bit of a break and the opportunity to continue to grow the game because someone's telling a lie. Because um, the the um, the crowd announced at North Sydney Oval was ten and a half thousand that night, yeah, and they tell us yeah. capacity at North Sydney Oval is twenty thousand. Now, one of those numbers is not correct because there is no way that you can double that crowd. I don't, I don't know how you would fit everybody in. So, I actually think in two years we could potentially be ready to take it to say a Bank West or a Win Stadium or maybe even a Leichhardt Oval. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I even think Newcastle yeah. would be would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I agree. Uh, sort of sort of in between, especially if we're only going to have one one game a year uh, for the time being. But guys, I think um, it's going to be an awesome season. I do hope the Dragons get up, but it could be anyone's game. I think this time last year, I thought the Roosters were specials, and of course oh, the Broncos sure. proved that wrong. <laughs> guys, uh, we'll we'll talk predictions a little bit later on as well. But let's get into topic number three. Um, so. The Manchester Lions. And J- Jimmy, you lived in Leeds for a little while, I believe. Yeah, I lived in Leeds so and this... Liverpool. For, I was over in the UK for three years. What were you doing over there? Playing footy, Michael. Playing footy. Mate. Yeah, shout out to Living... uh, Stanningley Rugby League Club. I, I sort of, I just went over there to stay with some family and um, and play some footy for and do some travelling. for. Uh, it was only meant to be for one season. I ended up staying for three years. I... I I loved it. I love that place. They loved him too, Michael, I can assure you. I'm sure they did and absolutely living the dream. I believe you sort of played with or against uh, Billy Forrester, who was on the show last week. Yeah, I played with Billy Forrester, as I like to call him, the Welsh JT. I think that's what he calls himself (laughs) sometimes as well. It's quite funny. I'd only played for this club for like one one game and I got picked at lock for the next week. So I'm walking around telling everyone I'm, you know, Jimmy Gallon and real proud of myself. I walk into the dressing shed and he fully calls me out for stealing his jersey. It's really <laughs> awkward. I didn't know what to do. So sorry about that, Billy, if you're listening. He's definitely listening. He's an <laughs> avid fan of the show and I'm sure he'll be in touch soon to set that story straight. Um, but go, go, let's let's get into it. So a couple of weeks ago now, but the English Championship Club, the Swinton Lions announced a rebrand 
uh, and they'll now be known, of course, as the Manchester Lions. Now, there's been a little bit of an uproar from existing fans who believe that this is the death of their club. Um, I think it's a great decision. I think it's it's going to be great for their future. Uh, so, Jimmy, you've you've sort of lived around that area and, and have, a, have a little bit of an understanding of the psyche of these Northern English fans. Why are they so angry? Well, I guess it's, it's the parochialness of it um, and the history of it to an extent. Um, I'm with you. I think it's a great idea. I think, you know, Manchester's a big, recognisable city. Um, if we want outside investment, you know, they talk about the, the M62 corridor, which for those who don't know is a motorway that goes basically from Liverpool to Hull. And all of those notable English clubs sit along that motorway. If we want to try and break out of that bubble, we need more recognisable names like, you know, Manchester and Liverpool. I, I'm a big fan of Widness possibly going to Liverpool. I know there's going to be some heartache, but I see that there's like the shout out to um to Swinton on the logo. But yeah, but yeah, they're the you know work a rugby league. Gen, I am generalising a little bit here, but it's very working class. It's very proud and, and very parochial, particularly in those championship and league one clubs. That's why there's a little bit of hurt, but you know it is a. It's like it's very similar to when the Roosters went from East to Sydney. It's still an, an area of, of Manchester. It's like I think it's like five miles Swinton to Manchester. So it's a borough of Greater Manchester. It's not like they're totally rebranding yeah. another city. You you forgot the Sydney city in between East and Sydney, and um, they've had about eight reincarnations. <laughs> I reckon you're a pocket. Uh, you're a you're a you're a quiet Roosters fan, mate. Just quietly, you you've mentioned them a fair bit on the show, but let's okay. Let's let's let's. It's He's all good. His but um, in case the Sharks get relocated <laughs> to Perth. <laughs> on on that, would you support them if they're relocated? Because that would be a big picture move, similar to what what the Manchester Lions are doing here. Yeah, I've actually considering for the next two years, I'm not going to have a stadium, and or a leagues club. I've kind of started to steal myself, and. Yeah, if there was if the Sharks got relocated, but there was still some sort of clause in there that the New South Wales Cup team still played in Cronulla. I would support them. Similar to so the players would have to travel similar to Melbourne and the Sunshine Coast. But if if they yeah. did something like that, yeah, I'd support the Wellington Wobbegongs or whatever we went at. I think there needs to be some sort of compromise, and like you said, Man- Manchester Lions are still calling to Swinton, establish Swinton on their logo. And I think that's great. They're still playing in the same area and they're still wearing the same colors. It's, you know, they're still the Lions. So I think eventually you'd like to think in time that the fans will sort of get over it as, especially if there's some success. Uh, Mary, do you think for the, for the big picture, this is a good move, a bad move? Yeah, Michael, I think in situations like this, people just need to understand that people are very emotional when it comes to their rugby league teams or any of their sporting teams in general. But I think in this particular circumstance, even though there's been a little bit of a rebrand, it seems like there's been a nod to the history of the club. And they're playing in the same region. So the fans that get out to watch the games will still be able to get out to watch the games. So it's a good opportunity to grow the game without losing too much, I think. It's definitely more like Eastern Suburbs becoming Sydney than Cronulla becoming Perth. That's for sure. Um, It... It seems like on both sides of the world, we're having similar conversations. Obviously, here in the NRL, we're talking about, you know, there was there was some news recently that Channel 9 wanted to uh, get a second uh, Brisbane team. And to do that, they'd need to they'd need to axe a Sydney team. Um, 
do, do you think that there are clubs in Sydney in particular that could be looking at a big picture move like this? And do you think it would work? At the moment, I don't think there's any clubs looking towards that. I just think it's the whole, uh, you'd have to break too many eggs to make the omelette scenario. I think that there's, they would just upset too many people in the immediate future to, to look down that road. And I think the NRL is kind of hedging its bets. I think it's saying, no, no, we, we won't do, we don't want anyone to fall over, but they're not, they've, they've come out and publicly said, we're not going to uh, rescue anyone anymore. We're not going to bail anyone out. They basically, every team gets a bailout every year. Anyway, they get 13 million at the start of every season. So, you know, I don't think the NRL should really be doing any more than that. That's the thing. They're getting paid more than the salary cap. So I think you're going to think that these Sydney clubs will will survive uh, for at least the short term. And it's just interesting because it doesn't, because they sort of do get bailed out, as you say, Jimmy, it doesn't give them incentive to to try and build and grow and 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 grow their market and make more money. They're just sort of happy to sort of plot along and see how things go. Mary, what do you think? Are there any big picture moves that you see in the future for any of the Sydney clubs or any of the other clubs in particular? To be honest, Michael, I don't think any clubs are thinking that far ahead. I think a lot of the clubs that would sort of be in that relocation conversation are focused on their own survival right now. And I don't think they've thought yeah. about the possibility of relocating. Just on that point about bailing clubs out as well, I completely agree with you. Rugby league clubs are unique in that they have a very, very tight-knit community around them and they're obviously sporting clubs. But the reality is that they are multi-million dollar businesses and to an extent they need to be run like multi-million dollar businesses. So the NRL is already giving clubs $13 million a year and... I think the clubs need to promote good governance and ensure good governance to ensure their ongoing success. It's not the NRL's job to keep bailing clubs out when they're doing the wrong thing. And as a Parramatta fan, that's something that I'm really proud of the club for doing over the last five years. We obviously had to hit rock bottom, but since then we've now got a stable board, which has made a massive difference. We've got some success on the field, a brand spanking new stadium, and they've just announced a big development out at Kellyville. Um, so re- really happy about that, but that all comes from good governance. They have turned it around. I mean, there was a time when there were whispers of a Parramatta Penrith Panthers mm. merger, but you both of those clubs have turned it around, and you wouldn't even they wouldn't even be considering it, or even no. the thought of it would be yeah, it wouldn't even be considering it now. I look at my club, the Dragons, and I just think you know I've just watched like a slow decline over the past couple of decades, and it's really like embarrassing as a fan, you know, because. I kind of think for us, you know, we've sort of relied heavily on the bailouts and we've we've sort of been in a bit of financial difficulty in recent times. But I kind of look at, I was, a St. George, I was from the St. George side of the merger. So for me, it was quite easy to continue to support the side because we still had the name, we still had the colours, we still had the jersey, still had everything. We still played some games at Cogra. But the more I think about it, the more I look at, I look at the way the club has sort of evolved over the last couple of decades and we kind of have a split personality and this is probably a little bit off topic, but I don't think our club knows if we're from Cogra or if we're from Wollongong or what we're supposed to, what we're supposed to be or who we're supposed to, who we're supposed to represent. And I think that's the sort of thing that my club needs to be looking at when we're talking big picture and maybe think about, you know, are we St. George? Do we play all of our games in Illawarra? You know, what region do we really really want to represent and yeah could could be could be a big picture move well, similar to the Manchester too, Lions Michael 
exactly the same with the Tigers. So they, they enjoy, you know, they enjoy this sort of Leichhardt. You, you guys probably went out, I think you guys went out to Leichhardt Oval um, to watch them play, watch the Sharks uh, make their way into the finals. But I just wonder if that sort of, that sort of Tigers vibe and that sort of um, atmosphere sort of happens in Campbelltown. I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. I, I don't think it's so something... either, Michael. And by I don't think so, I mean I know it doesn't happen. The the problem with Leichhardt, though, is we had a wonderful afternoon on Sunday. But as fans, you can't expect fans to be going to that venue week in, week out because it simply can't handle it. Like, no joke, Michael, there's no ATMs there, no FPOS facilities. The women's toilets stop flushing 30 minutes into the first half. And if you're standing out on that hill, it's really, really hard to see. So while it's romantic and it looks absolutely beautiful with all the photos and the, the atmosphere, I mean, it's just not a long-term option for the West and Tigers. And I think I think West Tigers really need to start owning that Campbelltown area. It is, yeah. it is growing at a rapid rate. Every year they push the borders of Western Sydney further. And I, yeah. I just think it's, you know, there's a stadium there. It, it's a, like, I mean, it's a touch small, but it's next to the station. It's next to West League's. I think really they need to start owning that that part of the world. And there's a new A-League club coming in, so I think they should both go cap in hand to the local and the state government and say, you know, help us out. Let's build a real stadium and get behind this. I agree. I agree, Jimmy. It's a huge growth area. And I, I live in the inner west, so I live in Balmain Territory. I will be near, I'll I, be nearby you next year, Michael. I'm moving to Dremoyne. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I am literally a postcode away from you, so we'll have to have coffee. That would be excellent. Done. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's. I will say, and you'll notice this too when you when you hear Mary. But there aren't there are a few Tigers fans around, but the the Tigers like there's not a lot of support for the Tigers here anymore. In fact, I think there's more sort of Roosters fans, which Jimmy will be happy about. But there's more <laughs> Roosters fans around here, and I think it's because as 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 an area, we sort of um feel like we're sort of more of a city sort of sort of area so we 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 associate ourselves more with the roosters and a, and a big sydney club so I, I just think there's i don't know i think maybe as a whole all of the sydney clubs need to have a look at it maybe redraw some of the boundaries and say this is my territory this is our territory this is who what what who we will represent and maybe then we'll see um some opportunities for some of those sydney teams to either join forces or, or relocate i think it has to happen in the future um, I don't think it's going to be a great uh, – I don't think there's going to be some happy decisions made in the short term. But I think if you look at the competition as a whole, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of for – I'm kind of pro a National Rugby League more so than a, than a Sydney-based competition. I don't know if you guys agree, agree with that one. I do, I do. And that's why I said, you know, I, I possibly may have steeled myself for the Sharks maybe not weathering this next two years because – like Mary said, but it's at the end of the day, it's a billion dollar enterprise and they're multi-million dollar clubs. And sometimes they seem so amateurish. It just makes me want to, you know, bang my head against the wall. And, and that when yeah. going back to like the UK, it's, it's a small name change and they're not changing stadium. They're not changing the area they play out of, but to call Swinton Manchester just invites, you know, so many, like they, I read an article once on it, actually it was a UF investment site that like yearly cashed up billionaires go to the, go to the, uh, the UK from the US trying to buy a football club. Maybe one day we could say, hey, you may not be able to buy Manchester United, but buy Manchester Lions. You can, 
Yeah, exactly. And and not only that, but if you're a Toronto Wolfpack fan, who would you rather come and watch the the Swinton Lions or the Manchester Lions? Like it's, it's a no brainer. If they ever draw Leeds in the cup, it will be a huge event. Manchester versus Leeds, you know, that's a absolutely massive. Are you a Leeds fan, mate? I am. I'm a, a massive Leeds fan. So we're, we're, uh, we're out of the relegation zone, thankfully. Only just. And uh, I kind of think even if you guys were in the relegation zone and got relegated, the, the Super League would find a way to make sure that Leeds stay there because I think it's very important that, that they are. But, guys, let's, let's, um, let's end the topics on there. And I've got a special little bit of a bonus topic as well. So as I mentioned earlier, we're recording this before the weekend and I'm going to release it on Monday morning, so after the weekend. I'll record some golden points on Sunday night as well before I release this episode just to make sure that they're fresh. But I thought it would be fun if the three of us could maybe uh, record our tips for the weekend and then we'll just see if, uh, in hindsight on Monday, if we got them right. Are you guys game? I'm game, but I won't get them right, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm the worst. I'm pretty sure Mary finished up second in the NRL, NRL.com expert tipsters for the regular season so that's a a serious effort there's some full-on rugby league legends in that and mary beat a lot of them if i didn't tip Parramatta so often i would have done a lot better (laughs) i'm not surprised because you know your stuff mary and uh i did terribly because i think when your team does well you do well in tips that's for sure and and you know what this whole like tipping into the finals i think that's new because i'm pretty sure that Back in the day, it was once normal rounds were over, that was it, and the tipping comp was done. But I'm sort of glad that people like myself have a chance to to win the thing <laughs> if I get a few tips right in the finals. Well, Mary, let's start with you, the tipster. Um, let's talk NRL finals first. So Roosters South, who have you got? I'm tipping the Roosters, Michael, in this one. I know they lost to the Bunnies last weekend, but they were resting a number of players, and I truly think that Roosters and Melbourne will be the teams to beat in this final series. Jimmy, do I even have to ask? Well, <laughs> it's quite funny you written, but I actually I even found out that they have no Burgess, no gay guy. They're missing anyone else, yeah? Uh, they are missing a couple other players as well. But uh, I don't think there's a Braden Burns either. No, but they, they, um, I am going to tip South. I think oh. the Gladiators going to fire them up enough. Uh, the SCG, I'm going to put it out there and say it's more South Sydney than Eastern Sydney. So I reckon there'll be more red and green in the crowd and I'm just going to go for an outsider and say that the um, the Rabbitohs will make it two in a row over the Chooks. I think there'll definitely be more red and green in the crowd. Um, and uh, it's hard because they do have players out and Wayne Bennett certainly knows how to win games at this stage of the year. But I'm, gonna, I'm with Mary on this one. I'm going to say the Roosters. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad we didn't agree, all <laughs> of us anyway. Guys, uh, Mary, Storm Raiders... Oh, Michael, I've got to tip the Storm here, but I do want to say that I think the Raiders are one of the teams that can beat the Storm. The thing with the Storm is they like to prepare, they like to do their homework. But Canberra have a lot of crazy players in their team that do some pretty wild stuff. So if some of those Canberra players can bring out their best performance and Joey Leilua can do some wild stuff, I think it could be an upset on, but I will tip the Storm. Jimmy? Uh, The Storm. I think mean, it's in Melbourne, Craig Bellamy, Cameron Smith. They've, uh, it's just like resume normal program for them, unfortunately. My head says Storm, but my heart says Raiders. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I haven't got a, I haven't got any skin in skin in the game this weekend with my Dragons on, probably in Bali. 
But um, I really want the Ra- I'm, I'm really jumping on the Raiders bandwagon. I'd love to see the Green Machine return to some glory. I love the British connection with all of their English players as well. My head says Storm, but I'm going to tip the Raiders. I'm oh, going to go with my it. heart on this one. Okay. <laughs> well done, Carbs. I like that. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, Mary, Manly versus the Sharks. And I'm not just saying this because Jimmy's here. <laughs> I do have to go with the Sharks, and I really do feel for Manly because they've come such a long way this year. But without Marty Tapao and without Tom Tabojevic, I think they're going to struggle. If you have a look at their team, Got a couple of debutantes in there, and and now is not the time of the season to be playing debutantes. Is, is T Rex playing carbs? <laughs> yeah, I I've I read it today, but surely they won't. The NRL won't allow it. Surely, <laughs> why not? Pulled him out of our narrow nursing home. It could even just be um, it could just be a headline just to take attention away from that asbestos <laughs> hill at Lotto Land, Brookvale. So who who knows, Jimmy? Uh, you're going to the Sharks, right? I am going right? to Sharks. Uh, I would have tipped them no matter what, but I actually give us a shot. I was looking through the Manly side and there is some people that I have never heard of and mm-hmm. I watch a lot of footy. So, G- Given the success of the Roosters and the Storm this year, I'm surprised that this is the one that we all agree on. So Sharks for me <laughs> as well. <laughs> now, Mary, I don't even have to ask you this one. Eels, Broncos. So I'm going to say the Eels, but there are a lot of people that are um... – thinking that the Eels are going to win by this massive margin, I'm not that confident. I'll take a win by one point, um, but I am keeping the Eels at Bankwest Stadium. The Broncos have struggled away from Suncorp this year, and I think they rely very heavily on um, Payne Haas and David Fafita. I think that the Eels have been strong at Bankwest. I was unfortunately there when you Sorry. guys were, were beating you at halftime. Yeah, no, what a day. But <laughs> oh, ter- terrible, terrible, terrible. But the Broncos, you just don't know which Broncos you're going to get. Um, so it just depends on whether the good Broncos or the, the crappy Broncos turn up. Uh, Jimmy, who do you think is going to turn up? Uh, I, I I can't see them winning out of Queensland. I've just got to tip the Eels. Plus, it's a lot easier in my life when the Eels win. So, I feel uh, like I'm pretty well behaved either way. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to say the Eels as well, guys. Good and uh, That'll mean... That'll mean no Broncos, uh, no Brisbane, uh, sorry, no Queensland teams okay in that. the finals. Yeah, yeah, same, same, all good. Um, well, there you go. So we're pretty, pretty, we're all agreeing on the Eels as well. So pretty cool. Let's talk um, NRLW. So uh, I'm going to start with you now, Jimmy, because I think Mary's the expert in this regard. Yep. Uh, Roost, Roosters Warriors. Uh, I'm going to tip the Chooks because they're my team in the NRLW. And apparently, <laughs> according to you, I'm a closet East fan. So. You are definitely a closet East fan or Sydney fan. So, Chooks for you, Mary? I'll also go the Roosters, but I think that we shouldn't write the Warriors off too much. I think as Sydney siders and Queenslanders, we have the tendency to write off the Warriors because we're not as familiar with their players. But they have Justin Morgan as their assistant coach this year, a couple of rugby union players coming across. So... I think they'll be good, but I'm still going to tip the Roosters to win. Yeah, I'm going to go the Roosters too, only because of that unknown factor with the Warriors. I'm just not too sure with some of their, their newbies. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, either way on that one. Um, Jimmy, what about Dragons Broncos, who have never, Mary, as you said, lost a game in the NRLW before? Yeah, I know they've lost a lot of players, but I look through their side and, and it's a little bit of the uh, Melbourne Cameron Smith thing. I think any side with Ali Brigginshaw in it um, and... 
uh, Millie Boyle as well. She was just awesome for New Love South Millie Wales. Boyle so, much. so I'm going to tip. Uh, sorry, Charles, I'm going against your Dragons. I'm going to tip the Broncos. I think that they're um, they're still a real shot at winning this competition again, back to back. That's okay, mate. You can go against me, Mary. Who are you going Charles, with, myself I'm going or Jimmy? With the Dragons. I think they're going to win the <laughs> yes. cup this year. I love hearing that, and 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 obviously I'm going with the Dragons as well. Jessica Sergis to score Ooh, two, yep. maybe even three tries. Make it four. Make it four, four tries for Jess. Uh, what speaking of power couples, you guys? What about Jess and uh, and and Lomax as well? Yeah, they are That's a power, power couple. couple. So Jimmy and I sometimes when we're down at Thoreau, go down to watch the Butchers play, or we go and watch the Helensburg Tiger Lilies play, or the Tigers. We often see Jess and Zach, and Zach's often watching Jess play a rugby league. It's awesome. What a beautiful story! I love mm-hmm. those two. Me too. <laughs> guys, let's talk. Um, let's talk Super League. And rather than tips, so there's one more round to go this year. We won't tip all the round, um, but let's talk about relegation. So you've got Huddersfield, Hull, KR, Wakefield, and London Broncos all potentially could be dropping to the championship next year. So Huddersfield are playing Catalan, uh, Salford are playing Hull, KR, and Wakefield and Broncos are playing each other. Uh, Mary, I'll start with you. Not sure if you watch as much Super League as you do NRL, but who would be your tip to go down? Who's coming last? I don't watch as much Super League carbs, so I'll, I'll preface with what I'm about to say with that. I think London's going down. Yeah. What about you, Jim? Um, I actually, I've got to give a little shout out to um, former League One player, Liam Dufty. He he schooled me up on this. I can't believe all the games are playing at the same time. It's probably well, as exciting as, as uh, a relegation battle gets. Um, I will say Hull KR. I think that um, the Catalans will lose. They're really under strength. I think Huddersfield will beat Catalans. And uh, my mum is originally from Wakey, so I, uh, I I can't tip against them. So I think Hull KR and I think London will make it by the skin of their teeth. Even though they're actually last at the moment with um, for and against, I think that they'll hold on. Yeah, I think um, I think I agree with you. Uh, it's going to be like London have to be the favourites to go down as well as they've they've sort of gone better than expected. I know it sounds silly. They're coming last at the moment. But, I mean, they beat St. Helens twice um, and, and no one else has even beaten them this year. So that's a major feat. Actually, I think they lost one other game, sorry. It was a major feat. But uh, I think Hull KR, they're playing Salford. Salford, probably the form team over the last couple of weeks. So I think it's going to be Hull yeah, KR well, as well. I think if they win convincingly, they push to, to second. So I think... That goes in London's favour massively. You you were over there for a while. That whole rivalry, that whole local derby, is that like super important over there? It, like it is. How's Particularly it... now that um, Bradford aren't in the top league, it's it's probably Saints and Wigan and the Hull derby are the two big rivalries in Super League at the moment. And it is important. Um, they'll still play each other. They'll probably draw each other in the cup. And I think they play like a pre-season game. But it, it does... Um, you know, Super League will lose a bit by Hull KR being out. But um, luckily the club for a Super League club is pretty well backed. So last time they were relegated, they got Tim Sheens on board and they shot straight back up. So mm. whereas someone like London, if they go down, they're probably going to knock around in the lower leagues for a good few seasons again. And, and any headway they have made will, will sort of dissipate, which is unfortunate. Um, question without notice. Are we all expecting Toronto to, to make it into Super League next absolutely. year? Absolutely. It would be absolutely disastrous if that what happened last year happens again. You know, what what are they now? How many wins in a row do you know, Carbs? 
21. Yeah, 20, 21 <laughs> wins in a row. That side is not only full of superstars, they're really well drilled at the moment. So. Cubs, I would love it too. I remember last year, I actually woke up super early to watch that game because it was still in the early stages of when Jimmy and I were dating and I was trying to impress him. So I remember waking <laughs> up to watch that Toronto Wolfpack game and it was very, very unfortunate viewing. Well, let me put this to you. Let's say it's uh, Toronto Toulouse this year. You've already obviously impressed Jimmy enough over the last 12 months. Will you get up early again? Why not? <laughs> well, guys, I've got, I've got one more. So there's also some internationals going on this weekend. Uh, and Mary, I know this one will interest you, but Greece are playing Turkey in both men's and women's rugby league. Our friend Stuart McLennan will be the coach of the Greek women's side. Um, Mary, who have you got for the men's and women's? Do I have to tell you, Carbs? I'm going for Greece in both. <laughs> but can I also tell you a little secret? Tell me. Um, so I've agreed to sponsor one of the Greek women's players. That's incredible. Who are you, who are you sponsoring? So it actually started on the podcast earlier this week. Jimmy and I had a chat. We decided that we wanted Ladies Who League on the sleeve, but unfortunately we didn't get in in time. So Stu's just sent yeah. me an email now, um, and I haven't had the chance to read it, but it looks like I'll be sponsoring a player, which I'm really excited about. Let me know who it is and we'll share that on yeah, we'll share we'll her profile on your socials as well. Because you guys sponsored uh, Billy's Welsh Mighty Ducks, didn't you? The Ducks, we got on the sleeves there. So, yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. That's awesome, man. Love it, love it, love it. Um, well, uh, Jimmy, what do you reckon? Are you going to go with Greece as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. I'm, I'm not even going to dare go against Mary on that. On Jimmy that can speak a bit of Greek too. Yasul. Yasul. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. You probably know some of the swear words too. Yeah, I can't say too much because I'll just start swearing. So I'll leave that, I'll leave that alone for all you Greek listeners. I don't want to Ask offend anyone. Ask for a beer, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Mia beer parakalo. Parakalo. I've heard that plenty of times as well. I didn't know what it meant until right now. Um, I, I don't know who to tip here. It's going to be really tough. But I think, I think I'll say um, it'll be Greece in the men's uh, and Turkey in the women's. Uh, just because they've got a little bit more experience, and but I, but I think if anyone can can do it on debut, then Stuart can definitely uh, get get the Greek ladies ready to go. So um, I'm actually back in Greece for both, just just because I'm speaking to you tonight, Mary. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on tonight. I I've, I know we've been speak the three of us. Um, <laughs> I don't speak to as much as the two of you speak to each other, obviously, but certainly separately, I speak to you guys quite a bit uh, during the week on social media and things like that. So it's been awesome to actually speak to you both in person, to have the power couple on the show. Um, Let the listeners know how they can follow both of you or where they can find Jimmy, in your case, your articles as well. So Mary, I'll let you start as well. What are your, what are your handles and, and where can they find yeah, you? Yeah, before I get to that, a big thanks to you, Michael, for having us. We've had so much fun. Yeah, thanks, and Carbs. congratulations it's been awesome. on all the work that you do. You bring so much light into the international game and, and we need people like you involved in rugby league. So thank you. Um, I'm humbled. Thank no you. No worries. Onto my handles. Basically, if you just search Ladies Who League on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, podcast, you'll find me. Awesome. And and it's ladies who leg spin in the off season. Yeah, isn't it? that's right. We we do a bit of a switcheroo. Jimmy isn't too happy with the switcheroo. He doesn't want me following cricket anymore. But um yeah, just for the summer. <laughs> who doesn't know what spend six hours at the oval in summer? It's great. Oh, it's beautiful. It's great fun. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Jimmy, where can we find your articles, uh, you mate? Or where can find me on the Raw, just uh, under Jimmy Newman, generally in the Rugby League section. Uh, I do a tiny bit of writing for Rugby League World as well. So I'll uh, next time they publish me, I'll flick that through to you, Carbs. And um, and that's about it. I'll, just a quick shout out to uh, Bradford Bulls legend Ian Summers because I used to I basically start as a travel writer writing about Leeds and stuff, and he was the one that pushed me to publish more of my stuff and and write a little bit um, about sport and also Mary Kay as well. Ah, uh, speaking of the Bradford Bulls, I'm surprised <laughs> we got to an, a whole episode without mentioning Amy Hardcastle, which is Jimmy's favourite women's rugby league player in the whole world. So, well, she's I'll, the best I'll... player in the world. Shout out to Amy as well. I was going to mention it because as, uh, as our, many of our listeners will know that on our social media pages, on our Instagram page, we're currently, we currently have a, a world team competition sort of going on in our stories. And Jimmy said, surely Amy Hardcastle is going to be, going to be in it. And yeah, unfortunately. Just on that, unfortunately Charles, not. can I tell one more story before we say goodbye? You can tell me as many stories. We can go for as long as you so, like. We can tell me as ma- <laughs> I found out really early on that Jimmy absolutely loved Amy Hardcastle. There was a video online <laughs> of the players making fun of her and Jimmy just got obsessed with this video. And um, so for his birthday last year, I got Amy to send over a signed jersey and a little personalised happy birthday message for Jimmy. That Talk about best girlfriend ever, ever right, yeah, Jimmy? Yeah, she goes all right. She does. We started off the show talking about you guys having kids. I reckon like there's got to be something in the works, guys. <laughs> Jimmy, you got to you got. Anyway, let's let's we'll end it there. But um, guys, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Hopefully, it's not the last time. I'd love to have you guys on again uh, in, in the future as well because I've had so much fun. But uh, but Mary, Jimmy, thank you so much, guys, for chasing kangaroos with me tonight. All right, thank Thanks, you, Michael. <laughs> This episode of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast is brought to you by website rugbyleaguecoach.com.au, your elite rugby league coach online. My name is Lee Addison and this is a tip for all you coaches out there. Set up an environment so that all your players can succeed. When training, in drills and in games, put players of similar ability together. Let the best get better together and the rest get better at their own pace and in more comfortable surroundings with players of similar ability. This and other similar tips can be found on our website, which is your coaching textbook for the 21st century. Send an email now to admin at rugbyleaguecoach.com.au with the words chasing kangaroos in the subject line to get your special 50% discount which is an offer for all listeners. Let us know if you're a coach, a player or S&C coach. Tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll get you online. Have a great day. Well, I loved being at the third wheel with Mary Kay and Jimmy. Loved the chat. It was fantastic having them on. Uh, it's time for Golden Points, guys. And I want to start off by saying that Manchester Lions, so we had a big topic on it. A lot of it was really good and I still stand by everything uh, that was said in that conversation with the guys about the Manchester Lions. But I need to mention straight off the bat here that a day after recording with Mary and, and Jimmy, the Swinton Lions released a board statement, uh, and part of the statement read, the response to the change of the playing name to Manchester Lions has been significant. There has been resounding support, but as expected, equal opposition. On the point of opposition, as a board, we have to expect criticism and challenge, however... The behaviour of a number of fans have been appalling, including threats of violence towards board members. 
Uh, the statement goes on to say, it is with regret that the board of directors of Swinton Lions Rugby League Football Club Limited resign their position with immediate effect. So this all happened uh, literally a day after we spoke about it. Um, absolutely crazy. Came out of the blue or happened very quickly, I believe. So I did know there was a lot of um, a lot of infighting between some of the fans there. But uh, look, I myself believe the change in name was a step in the right direction. Um, it could have led to a powerful Manchester club in the near future, which I think is important not only for rugby league in England, but around the world. Uh, now, I'm not saying that Manchester will never have a strong club or presence. Uh, there is certainly much more grassroots rugby league taking shape uh, in the football mad town city than it has previously. Um, and I do think with English Rugby League headquarters now in Manchester, the city has a bright future, uh, for Rugby League that is. Uh, but I have gone on record on social media to say that I believe that these small-minded fans have effectively given their club a death sentence, and I stand by that. Guys, golden point, uh, over to the USA. So the All-Star game, this one happened about a week and a half ago, uh, but obviously haven't been on air for the last week and a half, so I'm still going to report on it. Uh, the Southern uh, streak continues. They defeated the Northern side 44-32. to I predicted the North would uh, break the streak, but alas, did not happen. Uh, Kevin Reed Jr., though, uh, winning MVP from a losing squad, so well done to Kevin. Uh, and eight local boys from the All-Stars have been named for the USA 9 squad who will travel to Australia for the Downer 9s World Cup. So congratulations to all involved. Can't wait to seeing you guys on the field at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, golden point, and this one was also from a week and a half ago. So the Latino 9s took place uh, at Liverpool, and the Chilean undefeated streak was ended by El Salvador in the qualifying rounds of the Nines. Uh, the two nations met again in the grand final. El Salvador, once again, too good. Uh, they won with a try in the last 90 seconds to fullback Anthony Matuk. Uh, the score was 18-16. Absolute cracker. Uh, you can find the results on our social media pages. Uh, Brazil came in third uh, place, defeating Uruguay 28-14 in the third-place playoff. And Peru defeated Nicaragua. Um, 34 points to 12 in the fifth place playoff. So Nicaragua, the newcomers there in their first tournament. So well done to all involved. The big controversy was that the new kits for three of the nations were not manufactured in time for the event. So they wore some old jerseys with old logos and sponsors. So not ideal, obviously, uh, for these nations and for their new sponsors. Uh, the Brazilians joked that they were happy to run out in socks and boots only, which I'm sure would have been interesting, and a lot of the uh, female and some of the male fans would have liked that too. Uh, all in all, a great event and celebration of Latino Rugby League. Guys, golden point over to Italy, and all the way back in episode 16, uh, Rugby League in Italia with Orazio Daro. Uh, we spoke about a return to a domestic rugby league for Italy and potential for clubs from Milan to Sicily. Um, now, there's been a couple of matches that have happened, a couple of friendlies and things like that, and I'm hearing uh, that the Italian Winter Championship is in pre-season, so it's all about to start. I'm hoping to speak to Orazio again soon, uh, and in the near future, I will come back with some details on this, so I'm really excited about it and can't wait to share more with you, so watch this space. Guys, golden point, let's talk NRL Grand Finals because myself, Mary, and Jimmy, we had some predictions a few days ago, so let's see how we went. Uh, Roosters, of course, they beat Souths 30-6, to and I won't say too much about this because obviously you guys are listening to plenty of NRL podcasts and we'll hear all of these results spoken to uh, spoken about in depth. So uh, Roosters 30-6, to I think that one was expected over Souths, uh, from my opinion. Uh, the one that I love, I'm glad I went with my heart, but Canberra, they defeated Melbourne 12-10, in the dying minutes, John Bateman with the try. Really interesting, um, Vinavalu 
uh, over on the short kickoff. He regained. Melbourne had two minutes and they had a chance to score the winning try. But the touchy lifted his flag, called it out. You can see clearly that it was the wrong decision. Look, sometimes these things, these calls go against you. But I think it's really funny that if this happened in reverse and Canberra got screwed, then we would we would have heard about it for the rest of the week. But because it was Melbourne, the team that everyone loves to hate, we kind of went, ah, well, you know, it's all good. It's uh, it's all good. Canberra got the win. But um, look, it, it was. I think it's a great result. I'm not sure Melbourne would have scored anyway. They only scored one try in 78 minutes. So what was the chances that they'll score again? They missed the chance, but I think Canberra won and they deserve to be there. So really excited to see they get the week off now and they're one game away from a grand final. Meanwhile, Melbourne need to go down the other route. They need to beat Parramatta, which we know now. And then if they do that, they need to beat the Roosters, which is a grand final we all thought was going to happen. Uh, the other games were, of course, Manly 28-16 to over Cronulla. That looked really, really ugly for Cronulla uh, in the opening minutes. Like Manly got away to a massive lead. Um, but, yeah, Cronulla sort of came back to the party. But 28-16 and Manly without a lot of their gun players. So that was the tip that I got wrong and Mary and uh, Jimmy got wrong as well. And, of course, just I just watched this one today. Uh, just after, just before recording, Parramatta 58 to nil over the Broncos. Look, I know the Broncos weren't great, but Parramatta were incredible. 30,000 screaming fans at Bankwest Stadium. I wish every every Sydney side had a Bankwest Stadium because it's fucking awesome. Um, and I'll tell you what, Mike Acevo, best winger in the world. I fucking love him. Um, see, I love the Acevo chant. Parramatta 58 to nil. They could. Can they? Can will Melbourne lose two in a row? I don't know, but um, Para with a chance. Uh, Manly, of course, will play Souths. Winner of that will play Canberra. Winner of the other game will play play the Roosters. I know my team's not there, but I'm absolutely pumped for this final series. We're down to sudden death. Can't wait to see what happens next, guys. Golden points are NRLW, of course, round one this weekend, and two upsets to open the season. So the Roosters went down to the Warriors, sixteen to twelve, which I don't think many predicted, uh, and the Broncos defeated the Dragons, fourteen to four. So unfortunately for us Dragons fans, not much to cheer about uh, in the women's competition either, guys. Golden point over to the Super League. So London have been relegated after going down to Wakefield 19-10 to and finishing last uh, at the end of the season regular. Uh, but what a season nonetheless. Nobody expected them to win as many games as they did. They beat St Helens a couple of times as well. Uh, I believe they may have earned a fan or two this season and definitely earned a lot of respect. So hopefully those new fans stick around with them in the championship next year and hopefully they make their way back into Super League ASAP. Guys, meanwhile, St. Helens uh, finished top of the league by 16 points, which is the most dominant season by a club in the Super League era. Can they go on and win the title? We're going to find out soon, and uh, final start this weekend in the Super League. So good luck to all. Guys, in the championship, Toulouse 44-6 over York in semi-final action. So some great tries in this match by Toulouse. So if you haven't already... Do yourself a favour, watch the highlights. Some good match, uh, good good tries there. The French team will now travel to Toronto to face the Wolfpack for a spot in the grand final and a chance for Super League promotion. I was speaking of the French, um, and this is one I heard uh, last week. So my team, the St. George Illawarra Dragons, looking to sign uh, Tony Gijot, uh, who is a sort of half fullback. Um, French-born player from Catalan Dragons. So he's played in the NRL before, or he, or he had a crack about five or six years ago for the Cronulla Sharks. Didn't quite make it. He's been back to the Super League. Uh, been playing quite well. Last year was a really good season for him. Best player in that Challenge Cup final, which Catalan won. But this season has been a little bit up and down for him. A few, a few new halves have have joined the Catalan side, and the side hasn't done too well. Uh, Tony may be looking to come over to the NRL. 
I'm excited as a Dragons fan, uh, not only because he's a decent player, but just seeing a French player in the NRL. Uh, hopefully it opens up the floodgates. Hopefully we see more of it. But yeah, really excited by that. And if it happens, I wish him, of course, all the best because he'll be a St. George Laura Dragon and I'll be cheering him on. Guys, golden point, Istanbul. So the Greek men are building up nicely for their World Cup qualifiers, defeating Turkey 38-24. to The Greek women, not so lucky. They lost 40-4 to in their first ever International Rugby League match. Spoke to coach Stuart McLennan uh, this morning. He was very proud of the girls, uh, saying that they were in the game during the first half. But the more experienced Turkish women ran away in the second half. And congratulations to Rania Kutsikal. Hope I pronounced that correctly, Rania. Uh, who will go down in history as the first ever Greek woman to score a try at international level? So really good. I think the the, the Greek women. This is just the beginning for them. They're going to keep getting better and better. Impressed by Turkey as well. So coming a couple of tries off uh, Greece. So I think Turkey in the next World Cup qualifying round. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be playing they're gonna be playing for it they're gonna be close to it I think if they keep improving the way they have been guys golden point over to Belgrade so Canada were dominant in both of their games over the weekend so the men they defeated Bosnia Herzegovina seventy eight points to two an absolute shellacking Billy Forrester that's my word shellacking uh, the Canadian men did it and the women they got up as well against Serbia thirty four points to six that one was closer than I expected actually so. Uh, the Canadian women are a World Cup side. They've, they're in the World Cup, top eight sides, to, uh, fourth ranked side in the world. Uh, Serbia, they're fairly new to the to the scene on the from the women's game perspective. Uh, Thirty four points to six, really well done, and I think they'll keep improving as well. Guys, golden point, the seventh annual Griffin Cup. So Germany has gone down to the Netherlands, fifty six points to eighteen for the third year in a row. Uh, Germany won the first four. And Netherlands now, they'll be looking to square that up next year. So um, awesome to see Germany and Netherlands playing rugby league, to be honest with you. Speaking of awesome, uh, over in Sydney, Peru, they've also played their first full international rugby league match uh, this weekend, just today actually, the day that I'm recording. They defeated Uruguay 34 points to 30. Uh, the lead changed five times in this affair. Players were sent off in Sinbin. There was, a, there was a brawl on the sidelines apparently between fans. Police came. Uh, Uruguay were down to nine men at one point. Point. Uh, and they nearly pulled off the comeback of the century. But, uh, yeah, and thank you, look, great game. And congratulations to all involved again. Peru, their first win in their first 13 aside game. Thank you to our friend. Shout out to Dane Clark, Clarkie's Rugby League column, for attending and sharing his report of the match, uh, which you can find on our Facebook and Instagram pages. And congratulations, Clarkie, mate, if you're listening, because, um, yeah, we all know what happened in the NRL, shutting down a number of NRL uh, Instagram pages last week. He got his back, and thank God that he did because um over 30,000 followers there, so a lot of hard work for Clarkie. Well-deserved, mate. Keep on going and go follow him if you're not already. Guys, speaking of Instagram, be sure to follow, if you don't already, our World 13 team, which I mentioned with Mary Kay and Jimmy, our World 13 team of the year with Caesars Palace continues. Each week, the voting is on our stories. Uh, we're down to the final four players in each, each position, so jump on, have your say, make sure you do, because it's pretty exciting stuff, and we're getting down to the business end of that. Guys, Golden Point, Albania, they're the third nation this week to debut on international level. Uh, who They went down 48 points to nil against the Great Britain Pioneers side. Good on them, lot of, made a lot of noise about this game. They're really excited. I know they would have learnt a lot. So to all our listeners in Albania, I know there's a few of you because I speak to you. Um, great work, guys. Keep improving. 
Guys, golden point over to Poland. So on the 28th of September in Lodz, Poland will take on the Czech Republic at the KS Badalani Stadium. Admission is free, so if we have any listeners in Poland interested, make sure you get get down there, check out Poland versus the Czech Republic. Uh, thanks to listener and Polish rep Tech for sharing the details. I'm not going to pronounce your full name, Tech, but I'm sure you're cool with that, mate. Uh, and friend of the show and former guest, Lee Addison, uh, he's going to be the coach of the Polish side as well. He'll be travelling to Poland in the next couple of weeks. We'll try and get a full report from him uh, when it happens. I'll probably be speaking to him on his podcast soon, so I'll, I'll get as much info as I can and share it with you guys if you're not listening to that. Uh, meanwhile, the Polish national jersey is available from our supporters, mascotbrowns.com and mascotbrowns.com.au. So make sure you jump on, use your exclusive discount code, Kangaroo Court, for 10% off. And guys, what a huge show. What a huge week of International Rugby League. So many results, so much news, so much going on, as always, positive and negative. But we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep trying to hashtag grow the game. So, of course, if you like what you hear, be sure to spread the word. Help us hashtag grow the game. As I said, tell your friends about us. Follow us on social media. uh, Write reviews. Make sure you subscribe. Do all that good stuff, guys. We're in this together. It's been a huge show. Thank you again to Mary Kay and James Newman for appearing on this episode. If you like what you hear from them, then, of course, you can listen to Mary every week on the Ladies Who League podcast. Check her out and look out for some insightful articles from Jimmy on the Raw. Guys, as always, thank you to Ricky Cancino and Ash Barco for our theme music. I'll see you all next week with another special guest. And until then, fuck you, Nagari. <laughs>